Oh yeah, when are you bringing up this hockey town nonsense? Gretzky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Puck Puck Pass, and these are your hosts, the hockey know-it-alls, KJ and Zach Mack. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Puck Puck Pass. As always, I'm your host, KJ, joined by the one and only Zach Mack, and we need Ovi to score those two goals quick because he's kind of reversing the Puck Puck Pass bump. Yeah, and I think he's on the road for the next few games. So if he gets it soon, it's not going to be at home, right? Yes. Yeah, I think they're on a four-game road trip. Uh, and since we've brought up the 698 and how quickly he was doing it and how amazing it was and all that good stuff, <coughs> uh, he's ha- he hasn't scored. He's still sitting at 698, and the Capitals have not looked great, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, we've got some, how are you doing tonight before we get into the extended player news? Uh, I'm doing well, man. Thank you for asking. It's my last <clears throat> night, day to be 25 years old. So I guess by the, time, I say, by the time people hear this, I'll be 26, but they'll be listening to a 25-year-old voice. Is that uh, weird or is that just me? Don't, don't do that. This this podcast is called Puck Puck Pants. <laughs> Please don't mess with my mind before we record. Um, but yeah, happy uh, early birthday. Thank you. Or, like you said, by the time they're listening to it, happy birthday. Thursday, February 13th. Ooh. See, you never get good Valentine's Day gifts, huh? Nope. That, that sucks. I, I, I mean, I, it's, I, it's not as bad as a Christmas Right, birthday, exactly. So. That's why I don't get too caught up about it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i closer to St. Patrick's Day, so I <laughs> that's right. I benefit from all the drinking everyone's doing. That's... That's the good part about nice. mine. But yeah, happy birthday to our very own Zach Mack. Gracias. Gracias. So yeah, we have extended player news uh, to start off the episode. Bunch of stuff happening around the NHL. Most notably, uh, Jay Bomeister last night as we record on Wednesday, Tuesday night, he had uh, he collapsed on the bench, and all the you know all his teammates noticed right away. They were able to get first responders and the trainers and everyone who could help over to him right away, which is great. Uh, you saw Getzlov and Petrangelo, I want to say it was, like lifting the bench off the floor and moving it so everyone could get in and get to him. Uh, today we learned that it, he had a cardiac episode and he was brought back with the defibrillator right there on the floor of the bench. Uh, he was FaceTiming with the team and joking with them, and he seems to be in okay spirits, but uh, things, you know, are clearing up, but he's still not out of the woods from what I read. As a Wings fan yourself, and I remember watching the Yuri Fisher game like it was yesterday, you know, and Rich Peverly a couple years ago with the Stars. Hockey-related or not, like if this is if this is something that could happen – in the gym, like this is still such a scary thing to watch. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> like you said, when it's not hockey related, it's, it has nothing to do with the game. Like this could happen to anyone at any time, and that's just kind of it's just like wow. Yeah, and and like you said, I think you tweeted it, but like thank thank God to all, or you put it in the group chat. Thank God for all the people that responded so quickly, because obviously, good news is all we've heard so far. Yeah, that was a huge everyone's been making a big point of, of that is thank God we got to him as quick as we did. Uh, I, I never know how these things, you know, obviously him being healthy and walking out of the hospital is the most important thing, but like with, I, I think it was with Yuri Fisher, they knew right away, like he's never going to play again. Yeah, I think you're right. But I, I wonder at what point in, and I pray to God, I never had to experience it. Like, at what point during an episode like this does things change forever? Like, could could he his diet just have been off? And, like, I don't, you know, something happened and he went into cardiac arrest because of it. Or, you know, these guys travel a lot. Or, you know, he was sick with something. And, like, he could just come back to play in a few weeks when he's healthy. 
or if they know right away. Like, do they already know he's done playing hockey? Yeah, I don't know how that how that works. I wish uh, I wish I would have became a doctor. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Yeah, it seems... I, I think we all sometimes wish, <laughs> wish that. I remember the Yuri Fisher deal. That was. I, I don't know, because they haven't said whether or not he can play hockey yet, right? That I mean, it hasn't even been brought up. No, no, yeah, it hasn't really been talked about too much. Yeah, I don't. I, probably not the first thing you're worried about, but you're right. Eventually, you start wondering. I wonder how that gets determined. Like just the yeah, cause Doug of it? Armstrong. I, I mean, Doug Armstrong said today, their general manager. He said uh, Jay is currently undergoing a battery of tests to determine the how and the why of what happened last night, but things are looking positive. So crazy, like anything, like maybe like. Yeah. Only thirty six years old. That's wild. that's the part that gets me about episodes like this. Like he's thirty six years old. He's been, you know, pretty good player for most of his career. Right. And you know, one night or one situation like this ends things for a lot of people, and it's much worse than not being able to play hockey again for a lot of people. And I understand that, but. With a seemingly healthy thirty-six-year-old man, it just—it's so wild that this can happen to the the peak athletes in in the world, really. Yeah, it is. I mean, I guess the silver lining is you know at least it doesn't happen when you're twenty-three, twenty-two, something like that. But yeah, it is—it's wild to think how it's just like not even like you didn't even get run in from behind or a skate to the neck or something like that. Like it's just a Freak episode on the bench, and you can't. Wow, that would just. I can't imagine. Yeah, the the video is pretty hard to watch in the sense that, it, like, you can you can barely see him, but you can see just enough of his of his face to see his eyes and like what as he was like collapsing, you could see that he just he wasn't even there right then. That's it was it was scary to watch, and they they postponed the game after that. Obviously, yeah, there was good for them. seven minutes. L- 12 10 of the first period. Yeah, it's a good move. I don't think I don't yeah, they, keep playing after that. Yeah, and it was, you know, we talk a lot about how the hockey community is always coming together. And, you know, you saw it again yesterday as a lot of the, the Ducks players were hanging out with the Blues players and, you know, just trying to keep everyone calm. And it's the the Blues dad trip, uh. too. So, so Jay's dad was there, which you know, it could be a blessing and a curse in the sense that, you know, at least he was able to be by his side, but you still feel helpless in that situation. I'm sure. Yeah. God. I can't, I just, wow. Yeah. We're, we're pr- praying for Jay Bo Meester. Um, you know, first and foremost that he's healthy and he can walk out of the hospital. Uh, and you never, you know, never want to see a career end with injury or anything like that. And hopefully this isn't the end, but you know, it's, are only two other things to go on where, you know, for all intents and purposes, career ending. Yeah. So it's it's a shame. But definitely a guy that the Blues are going to keep around no matter what. He, he's important to that organ, organization. Yeah, I would think so. He had the first assist on the uh, first goal of the Stanley Cup Finals. Jay. A lot of people, a lot of people were posting cool videos about him, just positive vibes only. And we know a lot about vibes. We do know a lot about vibes. We're we're good at that. But yeah, so like I said, prayers out to Jay Bomeister and his family and all the blues players, organization, fans. Uh everyone that gives a shit about hockey is is feeling for you guys right now. So hopefully we get more good news uh sooner rather than later. More bad news. Connor McDavid out two to three weeks. The Oilers are in the midst of the heated Pacific playoff race. As it stands, they have 66 points, one behind Vancouver for the division lead. Uh, Edmonton 6-3-1 over the last 10. They're two points up on Calgary. uh, Two points up on Calgary, Vegas, and Arizona. So it's pretty tight all through there. What When you hear he's out two to three weeks... What's your first? What's your gut reaction for the Oilers? Uh, my gut reaction is that 
not good, I would say. Um, that's, that's fair. First thought. Second thought, this is just McDavid's excuse to losing to Dreisaitl for the point race. Uh, no, I, I think they said that they were going to reassess him. It's essentially, they set out two to three weeks, week to week, kind of like a reassess him in a week. And, um, I mean, they beat the Blackhawks. Dreisaitl had like four points, three assists and a goal, I believe. Hey, they looked all right. I mean, it's I don't want to say it's the Blackhawks because they're still contending for a wildcard spot. So it's not kind of. It's not like they're playing the Red Wings. So I yeah, kind of, I don't know. Uh, gut reaction is not good, but I I think that they could be fine. Yeah, I I think we're gonna find out a lot about Leon Drysdale these next couple weeks. Ken Holland did say. Uh, you know, that's the normal timeline for this injury. It could be a little bit less. Definitely no surgery. Uh, he said, we'll double back a week from now to find out if it's more serious. We know what it is. It's a quad injury. It's going to heal. It's just going to need time for treatment, which my gut reaction is that's bullshit because Connor McDavid was quoted saying, I took an extra day here and we'll see how it feels tomorrow. It's kind of like a Charlie horse, kind of lower part of the quad, top of the knee, and in my own quotes, I'm putting parenthesis, the same knee they rushed him back from. And parenthesis. He never he's definitely gonna be out two to three weeks. I think this was avoidable. He never uh, I think he went he never got surgery on that knee, did he? No. He was a lot of people were throwing I mean, I'm not saying this is the Oilers organization fault. I mean, it very well could be. It it's very much right in line with what we expect from the Oilers. Uh, but a lot of people were bringing up like the the training and rehab regimen that they had him on was so intense that it built up a bunch of muscle, which is why he's been able to just fly this entire season. And he's always been able to fly, but things have looked normal and he's been stellar all season. Uh, I don't know if it was you know coming back from the lull that was the All Star break or or what, but there are there's a good amount of people who think that this is more a re-injury than a new quad injury. And that would be yikes. That would be a very bad situation. That's big yikes. Especially for Connor McDavid. Yeah. I I don't care much for the Oilers, but I mean if you know if it's two to three weeks now and he doesn't you know they don't want him to get surgery over the offseason they you know they tell him they've got another training regimen. We're we're doing this again next year. Yeah, I mean, let's assume for a second that they make a playoff spot. He's going to play, you would assume. Yeah. and Yeah, these guys play. If this was the playoffs, he'd be playing now, I should say. Like, that's just how these guys do it. It just – You're right. If it'll it, be interesting to me. If it is, you're, I was just going to say, you're right. If it is every injury. I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't consider that. Uh because like we mentioned, if they do make the playoffs, he's gonna play, and he's just gonna keep playing on it, and that could be that could be. A... Now I'm worried about it. Now you got me worried about it. Well, David, uh, their next three games are all on the road against Tampa, Florida, and Carolina. The uh, Carolina is the second half of a back to back. What you think they walk out of there with? Four out of the six points, two out of the six points, five out of the six points. What do you I think? I think I might give them three. I want to say two, but I might give them three. Uh, those are all, I mean, those are all playoff teams. Oh, no, Carolina's, Carolina's yeah. two points out, but. They're free. Yeah, but they're, you know. Oh, I guess the Panthers aren't even in anymore. But either way, I mean, yeah, that's tough. All on the road, so they're out east. I think three is probably optimistic. Would it- yeah, I'll say they probably come away with zero. But I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, the pressure that's just been shifted to Leon Dreisaitl is monumental. Rarely do we see guys on a team other than Connor McDavid with the amount of pressure that he's – because if Connor McDavid goes out two to three weeks and the Oilers are six points back of a playoff spot, this is looked at a little different. But every point they drop in the playoff race is squarely on the shoulders of Leon Dreisaitl, especially in a media market such as the cesspool that is Edmonton. 
Yeah, it's kind of like a mini Malkin situation. Don't you ever <laughs> compare Gino to? Yeah, no, you're right though. It is in G, but Malkin lived up to it time and time and time again. Yeah, this is Drysaddle. I'm not saying I'm not saying Drysaddle won't. Yeah, it's a, this is the, a chance. There is precedent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're in yeah. right now. They're they're know. second in the division with a, with a game in hand on Vancouver. So. He's got to keep them. The Oilers make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, all right. That's confidence. I like that. Listen, the Flyers are doing a little bit better than I expected with Carter Hart sideline. So yeah, but, and that just makes me so mad. It shouldn't. Tell I don't, and it. I don't show it on Twitter. I do a very good job of not showing it on Twitter, but I see these Flyers highlights and I just get pissed. See, I have to do it on. People don't understand how bad it is for me. We're going to start this pity party. The office to my left is like a huge Philly sports fan, and his list goes Eagles, Flyers, and then the other two he doesn't, you know, I, he doesn't talk about because he knows I don't care about basketball and baseball. But it's Flyers. All he'll pop into my office and be like, "Oh, big win for the Flyers last night." Like I care. <laughs> he knows I don't. But so I've got to get it out on Twitter because if I if I speak the way I want to speak about Flyers and their fan, the Flyers and their fans. It at work, I well, I probably don't have a work. Yeah. So it is. It it's tough for your boy out there. I feel that. I can't imagine. Speaking of two, yeah. Speaking of two to three weeks, uh, real quickly, Cam Atkinson out two to three week, two to three weeks for the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are also in the midst of a playoff push. They've got the number one number one wild card right now. They've got a point up on the Flyers. The only two points back, the Islanders. You know, Cam Atkinson's not going to be in any Hart Trophy conversations, but he's definitely a big piece to you know for the Columbus Blue Jackets. What do you see? He's fifth on the team in scoring. Yeah, he hasn't been great this year, but this is isn't a team of super. Yeah, I see. He's, this is a guy where everyone can. Train. Yeah, I see where he's only played forty four games. Was he injured for a little bit before? Yes. Yeah, he's only got twenty six points. I mean, yeah. like you said, he's not top top of the team in in. Scoring output, but this is a team that gets by by being a team. So I, it, it'd be interesting to see. I don't. I would tend to think that it's not going to hurt the Blue Jackets that much because of how much of a team they are. But it would be. It's going to be interesting to see how they play without one of their pieces. We were talking about Thomas Tatar the other week, uh, as far as the Canadians go. Guess who the second leading scorer on the Columbus Blue Jackets is? Oh God, it's probably an ex Red Wing. It's Gustav Nyquist. Nine power play goals, 12 goals overall, 35 points. Just brilliant. Just you you love to see it. And he's shooting 10%. 35 points and he's second on the team in points. And this is a playoff team. That's wild. That's why I'm saying that's why I'm less I mean, listen, Connor McDavid and Cam Atkinson are far from similar right. players. Right. But Cam Atkinson is a name that you know from the Columbus Blue Jackets because there's not too many. You know, Felino, Atkinson, Seth and now Seth Jones is out. Long term too. That's as I gloss right over that because the Atkinson news came uh, right before we started recording, and I didn't even write down Seth Jones eight to ten weeks. Which, when you're getting goaltending like you're getting from Merzlikens, if you can get to the playoffs and Jones can come back healthy, then you're fine. But I think. The combination of losing Seth Jones and a little bit of offensive production from Cam Atkinson might be a little too much to overcome, but if anybody can do it, it's good old Torts and Elvis Merzlikens. <laughs> so they're in a playoff spot just like the Oilers. Do you think the Oilers are going to make the playoffs uh, even with McDavid's injury? What do you think about the Blue Jackets? Well, uh, if you add up the Blue Jackets' top two scorers, du- Dubois and Nyquist, it's less points than the Oilers' top two scorers, which is wild to think that yeah. the Blue Jackets have more points. I think that's why I tend to not be worried about the Blue Jackets. And if I'm not worried about the Oilers, then I can't be worried about the Blue Jackets. So, yeah, I think they're in. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, the Blue Jackets are a team, well, quite literally, one of the most team-oriented 
playoff teams this year. The Metro's if just was, crazy. If, yeah, the the Metro's wild, so that doesn't help them either. And if it was going to fall apart for a team with a few injuries, you know, they're not Pittsburgh. Yeah. And like we said, everyone contributes, but when two of the top six contributors are out, you know, how many, how much deeper can you go for that contribution? I mean, yeah, you can get more from Felino, that's for sure. Boone Jenner's got to step up a little bit. Sonny Milano is just dog shit. I can't believe I fell for the trap. Uh, Nathan Gerby performed in his first week back with the team and hasn't done a much, much lately. They've got pieces, and they've got the goaltending. So we'll just have to, you know, kind of lost in the Merz Likens bit is the fact that Corpus, uh, Jonas Corposalo is 17-10, and 10, which is okay. But he's got a 2.49 and a 9.13, which isn't quite Merz Likens, but it's, it's up there with him in more games played. So things will – yeah, you, you, I talked myself into it. Blue Jackets are a playoff team. <laughs> this is going to turn out just how I don't want it to be. Like the Flyers are going to get in. Panthers are going to miss. God, I just see it. I see it now. Hawks are going to get in. The Oilers are going to miss. <laughs> that's that's not happening. Uh, the last bit of player news, Jason Zucker traded to the Penguins uh, for what everyone was saying was a good defensive prospect in a pick. Jason Zucker, he's going to be playing on the top line with Sid, with Patrick Hornquist. This is huge for Jason Zucker's career. It's going to be big for the Penguins. It just gives them one more weapon to put with Sid. That top six right now is just ridiculous, all without Jake Gensel. Does Jason Zucker, not a huge name, was good in Minnesota, but does Jason Zucker give you the feeling that the Penguins are going all in for the Cup this year? Jason Zucker makes me feel like the Stanley Cup final could be Pittsburgh-Colorado. Oh, that's also foreshadowing. Nice job. Because... They're just adding depth, and we talked about it, and I know I'm beating a dead horse with it, but the Avalanche needed to add depth over the offseason. They did, and they're killing it. Here the Penguins are doing it. They shell out a first-round pick for it, and I saw an article on the score, which shout-out to the score writers. They got they have very interesting article topics, so that's my that's yeah. that's my score shout-out. Yeah. But they were talking about Rutherford, the GM for uh, the Penguins, shelling out first-round picks, not not being worried to do that during this – Crosby Malkin window that they have, and they're getting older, and he does it again. He gets Jason Zucker, who I think is a good piece as far as depth goes. I just it was it was just an interesting, and I'm I just I'm wondering if you have a take on it. I didn't realize until I read the article that Rutherford has he just shells out first round picks to get these guys to keep this championship window open. It's obviously working. The Penguins have been relevant for a while. Yeah, I, I, I think Jim Rutherford's done a much better job than. Some people are inclined to give him credit for even some Penguins fans, not many, not the vast majority. Uh, most of the Penguins fans I come across are pretty pleasant and they, they're fans of Rutherford. And why bother picking in the first round when, you know, you're going to get guys like, you know, Marino's out right now, but he's been great for them as a young defenseman. Zucker's, if I had to guess, going to be good. Brian Rust and Jake Gensel and Zach Ashton Reese and Brandon Tanev. Like, are they perfect players? Well, Tanev especially, no. But everything we've seen from the from the Penguins' depth, just their depth, which, you know, I don't know how we want to classify it, but from Malkin to, you know, the aforementioned Tanev to Dominic Simone, Chris Letang, like everybody's put their giving it their all, I guess you could say, is if we if we want to get that cliche. And no matter who goes down, they're filling pieces. And Jake Gensel, I'm assuming, from what I've heard, is going to be back in time for the playoffs. So now you're just if Jason Zucker has to be a third line player, you're you're a pretty good team. Yeah. Yeah, Gensel, if Gensel's on the short end of his recovery, he'll be ready in time for the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean Zucker, he's twenty eight. It's, it's not like he's thirty; he's plus thirty. So I mean, I got some seasons in him. If they're gonna keep him, I 
I think it's a smart move by the Penguins. And he he does something for the Penguins that nobody else on that team can do, which is make them likable. Zucker and his wife have been featured on NHL Network a couple times, and like they've had like social media spotlights uh, pieces done about them, and they're like the coolest couple I've ever seen. And Zucker just seems like the most likable dude. So adding that to Pittsburgh is is probably the best course of action, especially for uh, when they're Eastern Conference champs and everyone's got to root for them. <laughs> I do feel that, I mean, that's basically it for Zucker. I mean, good for him. You, you, you go from the dumpster fire that is Minnesota to playing on Sidney Crosby's yeah. line. Wow. I'd, I'd say that's pretty good. I do feel for Penguins fans, though. Because there's a couple, I mean, the Tampa fans I could throw in there as well. Right now, it looks like Colorado fans. You were apparently those specifically three teams I mentioned never had fans before they won a cup. Like nobody, there was no such thing as a Blackhawks or Penguins fan, and no such thing as a Bolts fan before they got good. Because every single comment on social media from a Blackhawk, Penguin, Bolt, or even Avs fan right now, they have no idea what hockey's about. And they're they're just hopping on the bandwagon. It's so frustrating. And for Penguins fans to be as respectable as they yeah, as, as most of the ones I come across are, props to them. That's that was my 90 seconds for this week was giving props to <laughs> Penguins fans. <laughs> They get a lot of undeserved hate. I mean, you're a Red Wings fan, so you probably hate Penguins fans too, but still. Yeah, I did when I was younger for sure. Guys, we were very lucky to be joined by the one and only Nick Moraldo from the Pat McAfee Show and Heartland Radio. And that's Hockey Talk, all podcasts available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Nick's a Pittsburgh guy, huge Penguins fan. We had a lot of fun talking to him, and we hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as we did. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now joined... By Plumboro native, Ladyhawk RV crash survivor, and co-host of That's Hockey Talk, Heartland Radio, and the Pat McAfee Show, Mr. Nick Moraldo. How are you doing today, Nick? Oh, man. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for that intro. That was incredible. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I got a lot to live up to. I know you work with one of the best intro men in the business. <laughs> You're telling me. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us. We've got a few things to talk about, but I wanted to intro you as a Plumboro native slash Pittsburgh lifelong fan. Uh, no matter the sport, but we're going to focus on the Penguins. And real quick, from when you were a kid to where they're at now and the last decade they've, they've had, what have you seen? I know you don't live in Pittsburgh anymore, but what have you seen around the city as far as their appreciation of hockey, the appreciation of Sid versus Lemieux, and just how things have changed into their regular powerhouses year in, year out? Yeah, so it's uh, it's an interesting thing because when you're a kid – it's hard to realize the the truth behind a lot of things and the intricacies. Like w- when you're a kid, you just, the Penguins were good when I was growing up, right? I grew up uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, Lemieux was there. They won the two cups in the early 90s. And I just assumed everyone was a hockey fan and everyone loved the Penguins. Uh, and it wasn't the case. Like, you know, pretty popular, obviously, when they're winning. But uh, they went through that stretch there in the early 2000s when they went into money trouble and they had to sell off some players. Uh, attendance wasn't great and you start to realize it's like okay you know not everyone is uh as big of a hockey fan as you and you realize that the sport itself is kind of a, a niche sport it's a major sport you know they talk about the four majors but it's probably the fourth of the four and um that was kind of eye-opening for me growing up and realizing that uh and then it, you felt almost a little bit different being like a, a, a big time hockey fan because everyone even though Pittsburgh didn't have a basketball team, everyone, a lot of my friends growing up were fans of the NBA. Uh, even though the Pirates stunk, they were still baseball <laughs> fans. And, of course, everyone in the city, no matter what, is a diehard Steeler fan. So hockey always took kind of a back seat. And I didn't understand it because, like, to me, it was the most interesting, the most intricate, uh, the most fun to watch, uh, the most fun to play. And I just – I don't know. I had this weird fascination with it. So – to see it kind of boom in the way it's been since Sid and Gino have been there has been incredible because it's gotten much more casual fans involved. Uh, the city fell in love with it, obviously because the team's good, but also because these guys are good people on and off the ice. You know, they do a lot in the community. 
and the organization takes care of the community and vice versa. The community has come around. And again, not to say they weren't bad fans or anything like that before, but it was just when you're younger, you kind of don't realize uh, the impact that a sport has in your area until you get a little bit older and you can kind of see that. Like now you can't go anywhere without seeing Penguins jerseys on a game night. Before, back in the day, it was, I mean, it's a pro football town. It always is, always will be, but it used to be dominated by Steelers jerseys. Now you see a good bit of Penguins jerseys everywhere you go. Yeah, that was that's always funny for me too. I grew up just outside of Detroit for most of my life, and I never understood why there was there was obviously a ton of hockey fans. It's hockey town, yeah, all that good stuff. But you know, the Tigers and the Lions were still king, and it was so weird to me because similar to the Pirates, the Tigers have always been pretty bad. They had a little stretch where they were making it to the postseason at least, but my entire life, I've never seen a pla- pla- Lions playoff victory. So it was so weird to me to not see everyone and their brother supporting the Red Wings night in, night out from October to June. Yeah, it's almost it, like uh, you almost want to be like, oh, shame on you people. But I get it. You know, different strokes, different folks. Everyone's got different tastes. And there's definitely a, a cultural and racial divide in the sport, whether people like to admit it or not, because of the the price that it costs to play and get involved with. And it's, you know, a lot of the neighborhoods are are very wealthy uh, old school stuff, you know, so I, I've started to see it more and more as I got older and started to realize why, why it is like it is. Yeah. I think a lot of people have come to that, those realizations as far as what hockey represented for so long. And now this season, it does seem like there are certain steps being made to at least show that they're trying to be as inclusive as possible. Uh, but those are, those are great points. So you brought up Sid, especially, you know, watching, Pittsburgh boom into a hockey city again. What does he mean first for you as a hockey fan and then to that city on an all-time scale? Uh, Well, that's a good question. To me personally, uh, it's like validation to me almost. It's like I knew that this team was – it was my childhood, right? It was Lemieux, it was Yager, it was Francis, this team full of stars, and then they ran into the money problems. They had to sell everyone off, and Lemieux comes in, he saves the day. It was validation to me that they they get Sid in the draft, and he comes back, and and he he is the guy. Like, he comes in, they win the Cups with him. He puts the city on his back in a sense. He's an incredible role model for young kids to look up to. You know, he never does anything wrong, always says the right thing. Um, and he has his critics here and there, but everyone's going to find flaws in him, try and tear him down. That's just the society we live in. But like the guy is, you know, he's what you want as a human being, as a role model for your city and your team. So, uh, without sounding too corny, uh, he's incredible. I mean, the guy is phenomenal. He's everything you want to represent your, your franchise. Um, what was the second part of the question? I'm sorry. Just what he what he means to Pittsburgh, you know, a city that, like you said, had Lemieux and Yager, and now, I mean, Gino's in the conversation too. But where sure. does Sid rank among, you know, the all time great, at least hockey athletes? Because I know the the all time Steelers are kind of in their own league. Yeah, in the terms of all time hockey athletes in Pittsburgh, I mean, you know, a lot of people put him at number one. I'll put a, I I say number two because Lemieux is like a Christ like figure to me. The way he was <laughs> able to save the franchise multiple times and then. You know, when his playing days are done, he comes back and buys the team. And then, oh, yeah, oh, he's not done. He's actually going to come back and play again while he owns the team. And, uh, you know, that to me, he's never going to be toppled for that, right? Like, he's he's another guy, much like Sid, who learned from him where he's never really the sole focus of the spotlight. He makes sure everyone's involved. He makes sure it's about the team. Um, he, he does no wrong. He, he's great in the community. And he doesn't uh, he doesn't try and make it about him. Right. And that's kind of a Pittsburgh thing to me is where it's it's not about selfishness. It's like a, it's an old school blue collar town. It's much different now. It's upgraded itself. It runs off of tech and healthcare and all that. But it's still both of those things are about taking care of other people and uh, taking care of the people around you. And it's a very neighborhood neighborly feel when you're there and when you're from there. Um, and I think that carries over into the sports and why us fans love those sports teams so much because they make you feel involved. They make you feel a part of it. Yeah. No, that that's awesome. I've been for a long time. I was a Crosby defender, but I did see a shift into, I could more often than not be a, a fellow Crosby supporter to a lot of people. Cause they did sort of change their mind on, yeah, he's not the whiny kid of 08. He's 
obviously a full-blown superstar and takes a beating every time he steps over the boards. And I, yeah. I think people are so focused on what he was a decade ago, they don't realize that he's probably one of the toughest guys to step out on the ice every night. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's easy to just throw those stones and call him this and call him that. And when you only see him play a handful of games a year, I know people complain that he's stuffed down their throats uh, on national TV games, and I get all that. But still, when you watch him 82 games a season, you see it. You see the abuse he takes, and you see him getting hacked and whacked. And, like, to me, yeah, if he wants to chirp back to a ref or wants something once in a while, it's not that big of a deal to me. And uh, he did it a lot early on. I think he would even admit that. And he learned from it. And he kind of toned it down a little bit. And you also have to expect, though, that's a superstar player. And in a league that didn't or doesn't take care of its superstar players, it's very difficult to play in that league with that amount of talent and just look around you and be like, wow, I, I, the things he should be doing and should be capable of doing, he can't because he's got some uh, – mongoloid hanging on him you know <laughs> hacking him down and it's just it's frustrating for me as a fan of the game it's like okay this isn't just about sid this is like uh this is the sport of hockey itself here if these guys can't display this skill and and showcase night in and night out we have a problem it's turned into what it was in the mid 90s there with the obstruction or you throw it back to the 70s with like all the goonism yeah it's it seems like hockey is the only sport that people will just kind of lump all the players into one, especially old time hockey fans. They'll lump all the players into one and and try to act like no one's more important than the other. And then we've got the NBA and NFL who value their stars more than anybody else and are actively changing rules to protect them. I know hockey's made some adjustments, but it, it does seem like they're, it's another thing they're behind everyone else. Right. Like it's such a team game and and the culture in it is so built around uh, cliches and, and never taking too much credit and making sure everyone is involved in all that. But at the same time, you have to realize that these are the guys that people want to see. These are the guys that sell tickets. These are the guys that bring money into the league. You can't treat them the same. You just can't do it uh, to a certain degree. Sure. But like there has to be somewhat of a separate standard for the studs like the Ovechkins, the Crosbys, and now the McDavid's and the Matthews. Like they have to be treated a little bit differently in a referee's eyes. Uh, it's just it's the only way it'll work. You can't treat everyone the same. Otherwise, no one's going to watch because they're just going to get abused and you're taking away these guys' talents and you're grinding them down into something that's not very special. Yeah, it, it is far from your dad's NHL as far as what we're get, what you should expect to see on the ice every night. And there's got to be steps taken to ensure that that product's going to continue to be. I, I love the high scoring hockey. I don't know exactly where you stand on it, but I I think if we're not protecting our our stars, we're going to go back to the devils type teams of the early 2000s where it was some of the most boring hockey we've seen oh uh, yeah and that I, that turns so many people off of the sport and now i don't want to see it go back to like the 80s where games were like 10 to 8 or 8 to 7 yeah. i think they're in a very good spot right now scoring wise and then to just uh, further on what you said it's like yeah all these old school hockey fans they expect all these guys to be like gordy Howe and go out there and score the goals and get in the fights and elbow people in the head it's like no man times have changed that's not the way it works anymore these guys are finely tuned machines. They train their asses off all year round. There really is no more real off season anymore. They, you, there's too much money on the line. You, it, it can't be like that anymore. We've already seen the league move away from the fighting and the goons and all that. Uh, you know, and it's happening naturally. They're not trying to like legislate it out. It's just kind of the way it is. People are more aware now. People are taking better care of themselves and their opponents. Uh, you still have a slip up here and there, but I mean, it's, they're trying at least. I'll give them that. Yeah, well, you, you you just brought it up with a slip-up here and there, and I want to talk about a guy who's been in the news a couple times in the last month and a half, Zach Cassian of the Edmonton Oilers. The guy just keeps getting himself in hot water, and last night he tried to kick a Tampa Bay Lightning player while he was on the – while Cassie was on the ice. I, I know the Happy Gilmore memes start flying out as soon as something <laughs> yeah. like this happens. But this is a huge deal for a guy that was already on Department of Player Safety watch, right? Like, he's, he's screwed. Yeah, and, and this is another problem that you'll see, like, on Twitter, people, and it's not, it's, oftentimes it's not even fans of the home team. A lot of times it's homers, but sometimes just people who just love the rough and tumble, they're like, ah, oh, well, I mean, it's not that bad. Look at what Chara did. Chara cross-checked someone in the neck the other yeah. night. It's like, why? Well, I mean, come on, dude. 
those aren't even relatable incidents. Uh, this is an incredibly dangerous play with no regard for the other player. And yeah, maybe he wasn't thinking in the moment. And maybe, it, it, like, at first thought, at the very first thought, you could I could see how someone would be like, oh, well, he didn't mean to. But doesn't matter. Because no, he did. Yeah. Doesn't matter what his intention was. He kicked the guy in the chest with a fucking skate on in a hockey game. You can't do it. You just can't do it. So I, I don't know how long he's going to get suspended for five games, 10 games. You, like you mentioned, he, he's had a history. So I, I think anything, I don't think anything's over the line there. I think as many as they want to give them is understandable to me. My problem comes in when the people try and defend it or relate it to some other incident that happened where they felt some type of injustice towards their team. You can't do that. You have to look at each one of these things isolated and, and, and say, okay, this guy has done this before. He's done this before. He's done this before. It has no, it has no influence or matter on what something else happened to your team or what some guy did on Tuesday night with a stick. This guy kicks someone else in the chest with a skate, sit him down. Yeah. And a, a cross check to the face has precedent. We, that's yes. something, unfortunately, that we see a, a fair amount of times throughout the season. A, a kick to the chest, and you know you're in trouble when I when I see some Edmonton fans on Twitter saying, oh, he knew he was going to hit the chest protector. Like, like that's a defendable right. part of what he did. It's like, come on, just have some common sense. And it's this is something that people need to realize. It's okay to admit when you're a, a fan – like when your favorite team or your favorite player does something wrong, you're not a bad fan. If that happens, it's okay to say, Hey, yeah, he shouldn't have done that. Or, Hey, that was dirty. Like we talked about Crosby and what a nice guy is and what a stand up guy is. He's done some things before that he definitely shouldn't have done. He's had some incidents where he's, he's punched a guy in the sack. He sticked a guy in the nuts. You know, he's, yeah. I remember a couple of years ago in the finals, he was drumming PK Suez head on the ice. And at the time I defended it, but then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? It's just really unnecessary. Probably didn't need to happen. So it, that's one thing, if anything, I would like people to remember and think about is like, hey, it's okay to criticize your own team once in a while. You're not a bad fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a Hawks fan, and Patrick Kane's my favorite player. So I, I've had to do plenty of that over the years. But it doesn't make you any less of a fan. If you can watch that and defend it, hockey's not the sport for you. Right. And that, that's why I think a lot of people have that mentality, though. It's like, oh, I watch this sport because these guys do this yeah. stuff. It's like, uh, come on, man. We're past that. Yeah, we don't. In the, in the same week where Jay Bowmeister almost loses his life on the bench, we have other guys throwing knives around a guy's chest. Like it just there's enough inherent risk in the sport as it is adding to it should say I would love to see 20 games for this just to really put their foot down and say, hey, we don't know what the precedent is, but we better not see this again from anybody and just right. and pull them for 20 games. It's yeah, it's enough for God, a guy that's been in the news. Yeah, thank God nothing bad happened. And again, yeah. well, that's something the NHL's terrible at, that, though, is establishing precedent. So we'll see. In my mind, I'm thinking like 5 to 10, but I would if 20 happened, I wouldn't be upset about it. I wouldn't cry about it online. I'd say, okay, well, probably shouldn't have kicked him in the first place. <laughs> But yeah, the exactly. Jay Bovinism stuff you mentioned too, scary stuff. Sounds like he's going to be all right. But still, that's happened at an alarming rate to me over the past couple of years to guys. Yeah, it, I, I, I was a kid when the Yuri Fisher situation happened. Yeah. Uh, we were, I remember watching that game. We were, we were one of the few hockey houses in the metro Detroit area. And my dad was trying to explain to me what was going on. I was too young to really understand that a guy was almost dying on the bench. And then Rich Peverly... And, and now, like you said, Jay Bomeister, it but it does sound like he got the defibrillator put in his heart or in his valves. So yeah. things are looking up, but it sounds like the end, unfortunately. Yeah, like, like you mentioned, there's enough going on in this game already. And, and even on the serious end there and then even on the lighter side, like there's debates going on now about guys wearing full cages and face masks because people are getting their jaws broken regularly, not from fighting, but from blocking shots or taking a stick or eating a puck or something. And then, you know, we've had the incidents where guys, they all wear their ha helmets and warmups, no more, no Bucky warmups because <laughs> pucks are flying off of crossbars, hitting guys in the head or Taylor Hall, when he got his, uh, his oh. head split open from a skate a couple of years ago and warmups, like there's enough risk already going around. We don't need more uh, intentional throwing of these skate blades around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of that. Uh, one last thing. Well, kind of two things tied together. We, Bruce Boudreaux was fired the morning that we record this on Friday. 
And he's probably going to be picked up pretty quickly. But it kind of goes to the bigger point where this season seems like a much more storyline-driven NHL season, kind of like we haven't seen in quite some time. It, it, it We're never short of an interesting story in this league, and it, it seems like that's been something the NHL has needed for, for a while. Yeah, and right, and with all the coach firings happening this season, you know, obviously this season being a little bit different in that regard because of uh, a lot of the abuse, whether it be ver- verbal or physical, with, with Babcock in Toronto and uh, Bill Peters in Calgary and all these things. And then you see good coaches with good teams getting the axe like Gerard Gallant. Uh, and then you, see, you, mentioned, you mentioned Boudreaux, who, you know, they didn't have the best year and they haven't had the best time since he's been there. I think before he got there, he'd only lost the division title once with Anaheim and Washington in all his years. Then he comes to Minnesota and, you know, they're doing all right. They're not, they don't have a lot of talent though either. So you have to take that into effect, but, I would have thought if this was going to happen, I would have thought it would have happened already. I was kind of surprised by the timing because they did seem to be playing better lately. I think they're like six, three and one in their yeah. last 10. So yeah, I was they're only three points out of a wild card spot, which is yeah. why this timing seems so terrible. But if you look back and throughout history and the, the recent coach firings in the past couple of years, this month of February and January tends to be when this stuff kind of happens, at least for when the Penguins would do it and kind of spur themselves on a run. I remember uh, Bilesma, when he came in to take over from Michael Terry in years ago, it was in February, and the Penguins were were not looking good and somehow managed to rebound and go on the cup run. So uh, I don't think Billy Guerin has any delusions of winning a cup with that Minnesota roster, but I think he's just looking for, okay, like let's light a spark and let's see what these guys have before I go into this offseason and potentially make some major moves. They saw one already with Zucker going to the Penguins. I think this was just the next domino to fall because they always say, you can't fire the players, but you can fire the coach. I think this was more of a warning to the locker room saying like, hey, if you guys want to be here, if you want to play, uh, we're, you're going to be held to a higher standard from now on. Yeah, Bruce Boudreau is, is Bruce Boudreaux is one of the the weirdest coach coaching stories or histories in the NHL. Just he's been arguably the best regular season coach since 2008. I mean, he's only had a couple of times where he hasn't finished with 100 points. Mm-hmm. And like you said, winning the division all those times and never having made a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, it's kind of baffling. I always lumped uh, him and Barry Trotz together, which was ironic because of Trotz replacing him. But then Trotz ends up breaking through and proving he can coach in the playoffs and and, and do a damn good job at it. So Boudreaux, to me, it, it's, it's tough because, you know, a lot of luck is involved in this game. And all he needs is a few bounces to go his way. And one of those Capitals teams for those years he was there could have easily gone on to win a cup with all the talent that they had. So a lot of bad breaks. It's hard to say, oh, he does this. This is why he loses in the playoffs. I don't think you can really pinpoint a specific thing or even a specific number of things he does that causes his teams to melt down in the playoffs. I think it's just uh, a lot of puck luck. And uh, I don't know. I'll be interested to see where he ends up and uh, what the future holds for him because he lost a lot of his shine, I feel like, in Minnesota, uh, not being able to win the division there or make any runs. Yeah, I I can't imagine he's out of a job for too long unless he wants to take a break and kind of regather himself and maybe go to a team with a little more young talent. Because, I mean, Minnesota's biggest problem is they signed guys to some of the longer – longer less team friendly contracts and that's finally catching up to them also worth noting that trots and boudreaux kind of look alike trots just has a little more hair <laughs> so it's very easy to to put them together listen nick thank you so much for giving us the time today uh where can people find your stuff on the internet uh yeah man you can follow along on twitter at nick Moraldo on instagram at Moraldo 412 and then on twitter i do obviously that's hockey talk uh our podcast that comes out once or twice a week, depending on uh, what's going on, how much info we can cram in there and who we got to interview. But, um, and then obviously follow along with everything that Pat's doing at Pat McAfee show. And uh, we got a lot going on right now. It's a very exciting time. Uh, even though sports are dying down, we're cooking up a lot of ideas and we got some interesting things coming up here in the next year. So uh, yeah, the more the merrier everyone, uh, please follow along. I, I have to ask for, for our listeners and Zach Mack, my co-host was, he was really interested. What's it like working for Pat McAfee? 
Uh, well, it's it's surreal to be honest because I worked an IT job in for a hospital for about eight to ten, eight nine years, something like that, before we did this. And I've known Pat since high school, and we always talked about doing something. We didn't know what it was going to be, but when football was over, we knew we were going to do something. I uh, thought it might be something like a more traditional business. Uh, at one point, we talked about opening up a bar, uh, but obviously, as as time has changed and lifestyles have changed. Uh, Pat wanted to get in the media, but he didn't want just want to work for anybody and he couldn't really get the job. So he opened up his own media company, obviously through Barstool and now on his own. And uh, it's 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 an adventure every day because Pat always brings it. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sometimes you come in here and it's like a, a Monday or something. You might be dragging a little bit from the weekend, but it's like, hey, you got to be on top of your shit because Pat is and he's awake. And if you can't keep up, you'll get left behind. So it's been surreal in that regard, like. I, I get to do something that I love with uh, people who I had just met originally. Now I can call my friends with my friends every day. Um, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's, it's, uh, it's what life is supposed to be like is what I, I tend to tell people. That's awesome. That's so good to hear. Listening to you guys, you know, four, five, ten times a week, if I have time to catch the radio show, it's, it's pretty clear that you guys are a close-knit group, but it's also very clear that Pat brings more energy energy than just about anybody I've ever heard. Anybody, over the anybody, it's it, unmatched. It's it's unbelievable. Well, congratulations on on everything. It's been so cool to watch not just the whole crew, but you as a, a fellow hockey guy, hockey media guy, just kind of grow into what you guys have become. It's been incredible. Thank you so much for joining us. For sure. Thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Okay, uh, a team that's nowhere near in trouble of make, uh, not making the playoffs. The Colorado Avalanche are on a fucking tear. That's what I have written down. Abs on a tear. They could win the West. They could win the Cup. They could. <laughs> this is – and I feel like I always kind of default to you with the, with the Abs because of your affinity for Nathan McKinnon and how much we talked about this team early on. They – I mean, they're lights out. They are so good. They've been so good over the last 10, especially. They continue to get better. They have the fourth most goals in the league and one of the best goal differentials, the second best goal differential in the league, one up on Boston and just behind Tampa. I mean, this is what you, you know, as as our resident Avs fan, being you, this has to be awesome to watch. Yeah, what a feel-good story. They were riddled with injuries early in the season. And maybe you could attest that to why they didn't get off to the hottest start, but you know they got everyone healthy and Grubauer's on my fancy team. He got to play the Senators this week, so I was happy about that. Um, yeah, fun to watch. You just hope they can stay healthy. And you're right; I think if they do, they're probably. Uh, I don't want to say maybe favorites to win the cup, but maybe. Well, the way. The way your boys in St. Louis have been playing, the Avs are definitely the favorite to win the Central right now. I mean, Bennington has fallen off a cliff. He's won some games, which is good, but out of nowhere, he's at a two six six and a nine ten save percentage, which is worse than Jake Allen. But Jake Allen barely has a sample size, which is probably why they're struggling so much. Because every time Bennington's not in net, it it's an absolute mess in their own crease, but St. Louis hasn't looked as promising as they did even two weeks ago. And if the, if the Avs are going to just use their youth to stay fresh the rest of the season, then they're going to go in the playoffs with one thing on their mind, meeting Vegas in the Western conference finals. Mm-mm. And they, I mean, the Avs seem like the team to do it. I mean, if I'm picking one team out of the West right now, I've said Vegas every single day of this entire season, but it's got to be Colorado. If we're if we're talking about right now today, five game win streak, they've looked unstoppable in the offensive zone, and it's the usual suspects: Rantanen, Landeskog, McKinnon, McCarr. Everyone's been good and better than they're supposed to be. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to find a hole in their play, and and you mentioned the Blues that were like three five and two over the last ten, so not. You know, not what you want to see. They've been steady all year, though. I, that could be a tight race down the stretch. I mean, obviously, Avalanche, the Avalanche have got the streak, so I would agree with you. I think they take the Central. 
Man, if they they got screwed, they were the ones that got screwed by the offsides last year, right? Yes. Landis Cog coming off the yeah against the Sharks. Yeah, I can't believe San Jose benefited from a call in the playoffs. Wild. <laughs> and they just threw it all away this season. Yeah, also wild. Uh, so, so the Avs are good. The Avs are arguably great. One of the best teams in the West. They're looking a lot like the Capitals looked all season up until recently. Are you at all worried about the Capitals right now? I'm going to say no for right now. Um, Two-game losing streak. I did the game to watch when they played the Islanders, and I thought they were going to handle that game coming off of a loss. thought they were going to show the playoff poise that the team they are, but they didn't. They lost to the Islanders. Big two. Did they get smoked in that it game? It was 5-3. to three. Yeah, they were down early, 4-1, to one, like real early. Yeah. So they didn't show a lot of fight. I didn't. Wasn't pleased with that from the Capitals, but I mean they play they play the Avalanche tomorrow. That could be a story. Yeah, that's gonna be. They win that, they'll be fine. you know. What's if up? They win that, they'll be fine. Then you gotta be thinking, okay, we just went through a two game. Duh. Yeah, dude, the NHL is just so weird this year with the way things have you know like Philly beating. I mean, Phillies beat like three different playoff teams, seven to two. And then Philly gets absolutely throttled by some of the worst teams. <laughs> you know, the, the Red Wings beat Boston the other day, who have looked human a lot as, you know, recently as well, just not as much as Washington, in my opinion. Six and four over your last 10 isn't bad, especially when Pittsburgh, you know, they're six, three and one. The Islanders are 5-3-2, all in their last 10. But there's something about what's happening in their own zone that is just nauseating when you're watching the Capitals. This is the least fun I've ever had watching the Capitals <laughs> is these last 10 days. Yeah, they can they can seem somewhat repetitive, that's for sure. Are they trying too hard to get Ovi the record? Maybe. Maybe they're trying too hard to get Carlson some sort of record, too. Like, Oh. Yeah, new records are trying to chase. <laughs> lots, lots of records when you're that good offensively. But you got to have a little bit left in the tank on defense. And they just – they don't have it. And I mean, Holtby, Holtby and started 37 of their games, and he's been absolutely atrocious. Holtby sucks. He sucks. Yeah. Like, I, I, I never really – Terry Price is the only goalie I've ever gone on the offensive against. But the the more articles and videos and tweets and Facebook posts that come out in defense of Braden Holpe, I just, it's very, it's reminiscent of what Eagles fans were like this year. Like, the team isn't going to stay the same from when you won the Cup. This is not 2018 Holpe. And I like Braden Holpe a lot. He's going to be a great goaltender in Seattle. <laughs> but, right, it's just not – I don't know if their their defense is so bad right now that he just – he gets lost every time they're in their own zone or if he has fallen off or if he's struggling to find a, you know, a way to get up for this team. Whatever it is, it's catching up to them. And so are the Penguins and the Islanders. Yeah, their lead used to be so huge, and now it's – no, it's not. Yeah, I can't wait to re- re-listen to all the episodes from early in the season about how nobody was going to catch <laughs> Washington and Boston, and now Tampa's one point behind Boston, Pittsburgh going three points behind Washington with a game in hand. The East is insane right now. It is. I mean, the Pacific's fun, but the point totals of these leading teams and, and the way these – at least the second place teams in each division are just charging after them. Columbus will be third in the West with their point total. Like, <laughs> it's wild. Like they were nowhere. <laughs> that's that's wild. Yeah, Philly wouldn't be too bad in the West either. They'd be tied. I'm so sick of Philly. <laughs> <laughs> they just the the fall off's coming. I promise. Right. I'm looking forward to it. I'll tell you that. We're talking about cities I hate. Oh God! And we're gonna uh, we're gonna end the episode on this. This is brief, and I'm not gonna approach it from the direction I thought I was going to from two days ago. 
a couple days ago, maybe even yesterday as we record this, I can't really remember. Everything blends together. I tweeted, or I said, in Puck Puck Pass tweeted, that Detroit's no longer hockey town. Yes, it's trademarked. Yes, the marketing campaign from 25 years ago is still in effect. I get it. But, I mean, in reality, I'll preface this with every single town in Canada that has a professional hockey team is a better hockey town than any U.S. city will be. I mean, those are places where you walk around in the jersey and strangers are high-fiving you. Like, Canada's just a different animal. I can't sit here and listen to, one... Just how bad the Red Wings are. It's it's terrible. Like I feel bad for them. I'm not make, I'm not I'm past the point of making fun of the Red Wings. There are better places in this country to watch hockey, to be a fan of hockey, to celebrate hockey. And I just I don't think it'll it's definitely not Detroit right now. I don't think it's gonna be Detroit anytime in the future. And even if I don't even want to say it. It's not Chicago. Even if they'll never get the official title, the last decade and a half, the last 18 years, really, since they were almost bankrupt or basically bankrupt, Hockey Town USA resides in Western Pennsylvania. It, it the, the best hockey city in the country right now is Pittsburgh. There's no doubt in my mind. I've done some fan sourcing. I've been all over social media. Boston's great. They just, they don't finish the job. In two years, I will look back on this as Detroit walks off the ice, having just won the Eastern Conference Finals, and feel like an absolute dumb fuck. But right now, I just can't support the notion. I refuse to support the notion that there's a city in the U.S., referred to as hockey town that can't even fill up the lower bowl. (laughs) Hey, it's a rough year, man. It's been a rough year though. Like they're, that's my problem. I'm not coming at you as a Red Wings fan. You don't even have a choice. What are you going to do? Fly an hour and a half to every game. But little Caesars was supposed to be this revival of not just the, not just the Red Wings, but Detroit sports. The Pistons are a totally different story. Their attendance is even worse. But from Hockey Town Cafe that had dog shit food to the pathetic attendance to the lack of a future to the 12 years since true relevancy, I just can't I can't stand back, stand by and let this happen. But I'm avoiding any concrete I'm avoiding any concrete declarations at the moment. <laughs> Because regardless that they were probably 12-year-olds behind these anonymous accounts tweeting back at Puck Puck Pass, I was very impressed with the tenacity of the Red Wings fans that were against this. I know it's all they have to live for in most circumstances, but there was there was a side of Detroit Twitter that I didn't even know existed. I didn't know there were Red Wings fans other than Zach and my friends on Twitter. I was surprised by that. It was very impressive. I I don't much care what fake Philip Sedina <laughs> 248 has to say on Twitter, but props to everyone that spoke up. Uh, you're not Hockey Town USA in my book and other people's just so just so we're aware outside Detroit. This is a popular opinion, but props for sticking up for yourselves in a time where there's literally nothing to be excited about. I can't fault your logic about every Canadian town being quote unquote a better hockey town. I think you're probably right, but as far as hockey town. I mean, it's it's the 11 Stanley Cups, which Boston and Chicago have six, I think. You know, what is Pittsburgh? Have four. It's, you can pull over the last 16, 18 years if you want, but you can put a time frame around anything. Uh, my, my only rebuttal to that, and maybe I would need more evidence to even have a case, but it was the comeback in the end of the Dead Wings in 96 that really started hockey town. Nobody for a second believed that Detroit was hockey town before the 1996 campaign, which, Hey, they got a trademark. Good for them. That's, I mean, that shows me that they had no confidence in the fact that they'd be hockey town forever, but Hey, whatever, to each their own. But 
for that 15-year period, they were absolutely Hockey Town. Even the food at Hockey Town Cafe was better. But I just, I think it's it's a steep fall off and it's a shame because it was such a great hockey city. But in my, to my definition, it's no longer Hockey Town, but I don't hold it against all Red Wings fans. Most of you are pretty tolerable. And I love Zach Mack, so. It was just a, uh, it was a, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it touched a nerve. That's that's the term I was looking for. It touched a nerve. You could tell it touched a nerve with the Red Wings. Yeah, I, I think it was, it's tough to face that reality when it's all happening. Like, at the end of this year, when the dust settles and, you know, they set whatever record for points in this era that they're going to set or lack of points. There's going to be a lot more facing reality, just how far away they are. Blaschel's obviously going to be gone, so there will be a little bit of hope as far as a new coach. But the way I look at it, there's a few more years of this, and, you know, Red Wings fans have already done a good job of taking their lumps, knowing how bad they are. But this, uh, it's it's been tough. I, I applaud you, though. Good, good for you for sticking with it. <laughs> if only they still had that. Oh time. God! How many, how many Did we miss anything? Touch? I don't. I, I don't. Uh, I don't think we missed anything. What are you watching the rest of the week? Um, not a huge slate of games tonight. Um, I am killing it in fantasy. How's your fantasy team doing? Better. I just beat my wife in fantasy, which is something I don't do often. So I was, I was proud I'm playing of her this week. I don't think she's trying. I'm no, she's, she's actually been packing the house up all week. So I don't even think she said, <laughs> uh, I'm currently losing, but projected to win and I need it because I'm eight and nine all of a sudden, but we'll get there. Yeah. Other than that, a uh, couple, I mean, Oilers play the Lightning on Thursday. That'll be a big game to see how Drysaddle can do. And we talked about, I think the Avs are playing the Capitals that night as well. Thursday's actually going to be pretty busy. Are you staying up to watch the Blackhawks play the Canucks tonight? Obviously. Nice. I'll probably watch that game too. I'll be rooting for the Canucks. Yeah, I mean, nothing. We grew up on the 1030 right. start, though. I mean, the Red Wings would play the Canucks at 1030 all the time. I was just thinking that the other night. I don't know what the people out west do to stay up at night. Oh, I mean, it's only 7.30 when the yeah, game Yeah, they starts. just go to bed at 10? That's weird. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for listening, for putting up with this dumb <laughs> podcast. We, uh, we've we got a bunch planned. Hopefully, uh, we'll just we'll get to it when we get to it. For Maria, for at Belly of Zach Mac. I'm at Belly of KJ. This was at Puck Puck Pass Pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you later this week. Bye. We saw no light. We saw no signal. Be sure to follow your hosts on Twitter at Gearholtz underscore K, at Belly Up Zach Mac, and at Puck Puck Pass Pod.